Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Let's Go with Julio podcast. I'm a tech marketer turned leadership coach on a mission to educate, inspire, and empower you to unlock your best, most authentic self as a leader. If you're ready to confront the hard things getting in the way of your success in a way that's real and honest and loving, then you're in the right place because you can and you will. Let's go. Hey, what's up, everyone? Ah, This time, 24 hours ago, I just finished my TEDx Harlem talk. And oh, man, I have all the vibes, all the feels, all the loves. First of all, thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the text messages and DMs and words of, of encouragement and wisdom and inspiration and support. I really appreciate all of them. Thank you. I'm not going to talk too much about the talk. It was called The Technology of Courage. I talk about a lot of what we went through in episode one. So if you're new to the pod, definitely give one and two a listen. That's really the meat and potatoes and the foundation for this work that we're doing. Anyway, I took a lot of the energy from episodes one and two and tightened it into this TED Talk called The Technology of Courage. It felt very much like a live demonstration, y'all. I can't wait for you to see the video, and we'll share that with you in a few weeks when it's live. This episode is going to be a reflective episode. I want to use this time to reflect on the TEDx experience, how the talk came to be and how I prepared for it and what it felt like. I'm going to do a one month, one week, one day, one minute and give you a little breakdown of what that journey looked like for me and share some reflections and takeaways now that I've had a little bit of time to journal and meditate and process the experience and, of course, connect with so many people who reached out to me from the audience. Because whether you're preparing for a talk or you want to do something like this or it it's your courage manifesting somewhere else for some other project you're trying to get off the ground, this may serve as some guidance and inspiration. And if you're trying to overcome something with fear, there's definitely a large intense, cynical inner critic that does not like me to get in front of people, but I am really working on it and it is getting better and I will share some tips that uh, really helped me get over the hump. So let's start with how this even came to be because that story in and of itself is a reminder to me of the importance of setting intention, the importance of articulating a vision, something you can see, and the importance of surrendering to do all that you can do and then surrender to the universe and uh, see what comes. So in January, I had a, a long session with my coach to vision out my one-year, five-year plan. And I had three primary OKRs, objectives and key results. Basically, we use these in tech. Some of you may know. It's just a way to give you some structure. It's goal setting. It's vision. It's having some direction with which you are moving. I, I do believe that having a vision is key and a key lesson from working on big brand campaigns and all these tech companies was having strategy. You have to know where you're going, where you point resources. So for me, I had three things. The first was get in the best shape of my life, physically, spiritually, mentally. Goal number two was serve my clients powerfully. What are all those activities that I should be investing in to make sure that I am serving my community. And the third is unleash my voice, uncover my voice, unlock my voice to take what's going on in my head and my heart and communicate it out 
I was trying to figure out what are all the things that I can do, seeds that I can plant in service of that third goal. I could start a podcast and I can start to get in the habit of telling stories and sharing insights and cultivating connection and community with people by being my authentic self on this microphone. Well, I can go to a conference and do a speaking engagement. Well, I can go facilitate a workshop at a company. Well, I can go be the keynote speaker for a company's offsite. And I just started saying yes to these things and experimenting and trying stuff. Another thing you could do is you could find a way to share your story on a TEDx stage. And so I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. But I didn't know where to begin. So I, as I try and do as a recurring practice, do my morning journal. And I often ask myself, what step should I take in service of this goal? I write and see what comes. And one thing that came to mind was, well, why don't you find the TED Talks in a 50-mile radius? Okay, great. Why don't you find all of the videos from some of those talks and the organizer and see if you can find some of these people on social media? Great. So I did that. And then over the course of several months, I sort of got a sense of who was doing what online and what kind of conversations were being had and where I could find a connection, an opportunity for my story to add value and be of service of one of these particular TEDx experiences. And before you know it, a wonderful individual, human being, spirit, TEDx Harlem organizer, Kenneth Johnson, he's really an icon in the neighborhood. And I hit him up, I I engaged with his content. We had a 15 minute meeting that turned into a 45 minute meeting. He listened to my podcast. He listened to the first couple episodes and was really touched by the, the vulnerability and the story. He encouraged me and invited me to participate in this experience, and I'm so blessed and honored and grateful, and this is an example of how I did all that I could do, and then I just let it go, and I said, look, it would be great to do a TEDx talk, but I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to be thirsty about it. I'm not going to point all my resources at it. I'm going to get curious. I'm going to lean in and listen and pay attention and see Where and when does it make sense for me to step on that stage and share my story? You know, it's just being authentic. It's moving with the flow of life. It's paying attention to when life is speaking to you and asking you to serve. Some people came to me and they were like, how did you get that? Did you hire a consultant? How do I get that? How did you get, what were your best practices on the application? How did you get the TEDx talk? I really need to get one. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not going to get a talk with that kind of energy. So you have to take a breath step back for a little bit. I'm not saying that you need to just sit around and meditate on a pillow and all of a sudden it's gonna come to you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you have to do what you can towards the goal, but then let go and allow the greater plan here to unfold, that it will come to you when it's ready for you. So if I went into that conversation with Kenneth, starting with, how do I get a spot? versus let's have a conversation. You listened to my first episode, what came up for you? Let's talk about it. Let's get to know each other. And then realizing, wow, you have a beautiful soul, a beautiful spirit. I want to be of service to this. Let's do this together. It was the energy of it was there such that it came back to me. Now, the story gets even better because it was originally scheduled for August 24th. So I thought, okay, we have plenty of time And then it becomes May, and then June, and then July, and I don't hear back from Kenneth. And then part of me starts to get worried. 
the voice in my head was telling me, oh, he changed his mind. He doesn't actually want me on the stage. He found out that I'm a fraud and a phony. Da -da 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 -da. Whatever the story was that I was, y'all know how that works. We make up stories. If we don't have enough information <laughs> to find certainty, we make up stories. I finally reached out and said, the TED Talk is approaching, but I haven't gotten any communications. The story I'm telling myself is you decided that you don't want me as a speaker anymore. And that's okay if that's the plan. I just wanted to get that out there. And he said, absolutely not. That's not what was going on. It was that I was changing the date because I needed a new venue. So we went from August 24th to October 28th. And I spent a month sitting in this anxiety and this unnecessary worry over whether or not he actually wanted me to give a TED Talk. And it was just an example of how sometimes we forebode joy. We're waiting for the other shoe to drop. It also was an example of how and under moments of uncertainty, when we don't have enough information, we oftentimes want to finish the story. And so our mind makes up this scenario of what is possible, all the permutations of what is possible. It was really a, an interesting experience for me, an interesting reminder to me to pay attention to the story that you're telling yourself. Is it true? And by the way, there's a tool in here that I love. The story I'm telling myself is that phrase, write that down open up your Apple Notes or pen and paper, wherever you are, and write that down. The story I'm telling myself is. And the next time you're in a conversation with a partner, with a friend, uh, with a coworker, try that. Hey, the story I'm telling myself is you're frustrated with me because I was late to that meeting. How true is that? Where am I off? I use that all the time whenever I'm trying to not attached to the thought, but just observe and get curious about the thought. The story I'm telling myself is. So all that is to say, I had all of that frustration and anxiety. It wasn't true at all. Everything ends up working out wonderfully, seamlessly. October 28th, it was a Saturday at the Harlem Hospital, second floor auditorium. The vibe was so beautiful. And all of the speakers brought such a dynamic energy to the stage had their own story, and all of it was encased in so much beauty and culture and authenticity. And there was also similar themes around DEI, around the need to share our stories, own our stories, put ourselves out there, talk about the failures. It was humbling. It was humbling to be one of the speakers, and I'm really grateful for the audience. I felt really seen. I felt supported. The love was in the room. So I want to take you through the process. I probably didn't start writing until a month before, and I really didn't start practicing until a week or two before. I will admit I had that procrastination monkey, and I, I could have done a better job there, but it worked. At the one-month point, I started coalescing the last few years of notes and books I read that were particularly special to me, going through the highlights, just trying to absorb myself in the energy of the thoughts and the words and the lessons and the wisdom that has been most profound for me to find the through line. What was really the message that I wanted to share? I wanted to combine my history and experience and expertise in the technology space with what I do now with leaders, which is a lot of courage building, helping leaders build new cultures and step into their bravery. So that was one month. 
by that point, I had probably watched somewhere around 150 TED Talks to just do an analysis on the formula and the different ways in which people told stories. One week, by that point, my entire schedule was clear. I had had six drafts written by then. There were different puzzle pieces, different intros, different endings, different stories, different ways of structuring the lesson, different ways of articulating the technology of courage. And I basically took little pieces from each of them and ended up making a a final version. And it was just refining and polishing and rehearsing and fine tuning by that point. I then read it back to myself on the microphone here and would listen to it while I went for bike rides and while I was in the bathtub and while I was going for walks and just try to take in the energy and the tone and the pacing and critique myself and figure out where I can make adjustments. There was definitely some nerves I had to manage knowing that I was a week away. I would say the week before was probably the health, one of the healthiest times I've been in my life. I mean, I was so focused on sleeping well, waking up every morning, going to the gym, sweating, stretching, bathtub, steam room, going for a walk, going for a bike ride, making sure that my body was in motion and staying creative, recognizing that at any moment I could pull out my phone or iPad and I can edit and tweak a line in the speech at any point. I didn't have to be confined to my desk. And actually part of the journey was to go and see the foliage in Central Park and to go look out at the water and the Hudson River. So that week was just fully 100% dedicated to getting in the energy space of, you know, preparing the vessel, me as the vessel of what is the message that I'm going to communicate and channel to people. So that was the week before. And then for the day before I got a massage, I was singing, doing a little karaoke at home, yoga, a nice long bath where I could meditate and pray and play out the speech in my head and I would articulate it out in the shower. It's a wonderful place to do it and good for your vocal cords. I made note cards. I ended up at the last minute deciding to print the speech, put it on four by six note cards. Ricky, who produces this podcast, had the nice recommendation of having the full speech and then just highlighting keywords so that when you glanced at your card, you could just see the highlight and know where you were going. And I thought that was really, really helpful. The truth is, is I didn't end up using it that much, but it was a nice comfort blanket to have. And then the night before, I realized that I was so in my head, so I wanted to jot some thoughts down, and so I opened up my journal and started to write some stuff in the journal. It helped. It was so kind and loving. I was able to sleep peacefully. My mind was able to be calm and at ease. I woke up that next morning, and I was grounded. So we had the one month, the one week, the one day, and now the one minute. So one minute before, I was number two, and as I was getting mic'd up, I was just shaking my body a little bit, you know, dancing, a little bit of, you know, hip shake, shoulder shake. And I got to tell you, it was so powerful and it was so subtle. I didn't even realize the importance of it until reflection after, which was somatically, it actually released energy. It released my nerves and my fear and it brought me onto the stage. I felt like I was there fully present myself by just you know, making people laugh a little bit and not being so serious and just having fun with it. It was about looking at the audience in the eyes and making a real connection, really seeing people and breathing, 
breathing and maintaining my pace, recognizing the importance and the power of the pause and the silence and the white space. I really, I felt comfortable in that space. So that's the one month, the one week, the one day, the one minute. There were a few tools really helpful for me in terms of how to handle the fear. So I want to go through those quickly. The first is educating myself on what was going on from a neuroscience perspective. I know that a thought is triggering a feeling and the feeling creates the action. I know that if I attach to a negative thought that my body's going to enter into a state of fear. So being able to do the thought work and to stay calm and to be really intentional about the thoughts that I choose to have in the moment plays a huge role in that. Creating compassion and understanding, knowing that when the thought does arrive, oh, it's just trying to keep me safe and keep me small, and I understand that, but it's actually not serving me. I'm not getting attacked by a lion. I will be fine. And so coming back to that, recognizing that I am okay, I am safe, I am at peace, I am grounded, and actually saying those words out loud gives them agency, gives them power, and directs your body accordingly. So that was the first one. The second was preparing and practicing. Preparing and becoming familiar with the material reduced the load of the fear. I realized that part of the fear that I was feeling was don't mess up, don't look like a fool. And so what are those things I can do to combat that? Well, I can just be prepared. I mean, because even if I did mess up, I could laugh it off and reroute and go back to where I needed to go. Having systems of support, so I got there early, I got there like two hours early just to walk around the front, sit in some seats, walk into the back, meditate, breathe, just get into the space. For me, that that was helpful. I had some friends there. Another piece of advice that I got from Dr. Brene Brown, which was very helpful, is connect with the people, that people are just people. That literally behind, underneath all of the heavy armor, the labels and the makeup and the titles and the money and the status, underneath all of that, we're just people. We're just people. And if you can remember that when you get on stage, that people are just people. And you can lean into that. And that was a real unlock for me because I see that as a coach. You have a co-founder, an executive who comes in the session, and then we shut that door, we create that brave space, and the armor comes off. The truth of you comes out, and the defensiveness and the all the armor, the things that we use to avoid rumbling with vulnerability, it comes off. And so I know underneath all those things, you're just a human being. And having the grace to recognize that it gets a little bit easier each time. Each time it gets a little bit easier. So as I reflect on this experience, I am so grateful that I trusted myself. This beautiful thing starts to happen when you are paying attention to your life. Your heart and your soul and your spirit is pulling you in a direction like, oh, okay, get on that stage. Here we go. And We are all here and we have come called and our job is to align ourselves with what life has in store for us. And the sooner you get that message, the sooner you can get about the business of doing it. And for so many years in tech, I was picking up skills, but I was not fully aligned with what life had in store for me. And I knew that. I knew that and I chose to do it anyway. 
And this is common. How many of us are in relationships or jobs where we know it's not working out for us? We know it's not what we really want, but we're still in it. Why are we still in it? Because we're going to, to challenge it would mean to have to reckon with a lot of difficult emotion. And we'd rather just, we, we tend to not walk towards that. We, we, we avoid it or we uh, numb it. Being able to listen to that still silent voice, it's intuition and it manifests differently for everybody. For me, it's this inner knowing. It comes from my heart and it's a soft, gentle statement, knowing, do this, try that, call this person. The noise of the world used to drown out that still, sweet, beautiful, magnificent voice, which I believe is connected to this bigger thing here, this divine spiritual order here. And my job is to just listen and follow and pay attention to it. I realized as I was doing the talk, the technology of courage and explaining the process, the three-step process, I had to go through the process myself. I had to feel big. I had to feel brave. I had to be connected to my heart. I had to go through the process in order to talk about the technology of courage. I have to actually live it. I was crying in the bathtub. I was crying on bike rides. I was meditating and, you know, writing and just trying to turn towards my story and own it. And I will tell you that there were many a times where I thought of quitting or canceling or saying I have COVID, but I went with it anyway. And I'm really proud of myself because I look back, now that I'm on the other side, I look back and that was tremendous growth. That's how this works. That's how courage is. You're not going to ever get to a place where you've just figured it all out. You learn by doing it, by pushing yourself and making yourself uncomfortable. So if you're being uncomfortable, Steve Jobs used to say this all the time at Apple, being uncomfortable is your body's way of telling you you're learning something. And that week I was very uncomfortable and I was learning a lot. I was processing and I really took away the mind-body connection, the somatics. I mean, how do I regulate myself in a world where I've dealt with so much failure that my body goes into a stress response and wants to lock up and close my heart? I have to find a way to keep my heart open even when it's hard. You know, courage is contagious. So when you step up and do it, you inspire others to also want to be courageous. People don't think less of you for sharing your story. They think more of you for having the courage to share it. And that's really the mission I'm on. The amount of people that came up to me after and on LinkedIn and on Instagram and who've gone out of their way to share their story of struggle, their story of addiction, of suicide, of losing their job, of you know coming from a low-income household, of having struggle growing up, childhood trauma, whatever. We all have our stories. So there was something beautiful about open up my heart and let it flow in such a way that other people could open up theirs and also let it flow and share with me. That to me was the most satisfying of all. It's a creative journey and a process and our job is to respect and understand what is our creative process. That was another learning. How can you embrace your creative process as opposed to trying to follow some script and formula that someone has online for how to do a TED Talk. Sure, I can reference that, but at the end of the day, I need to do what's mine. I can't allow someone to come in here and write it for me. I need to be thinking about taking advice where appropriate and rehearsing and getting feedback from people in the circle who have earned the right to share and my close friends who rehearse, but 
take the feedback in such a way that I'm still the final decision maker and that it still reflects the truth of what it is that I really want to do. I guess the last lesson I'd say is it comes fast. It comes and goes. So enjoy the ride. You know, it was 15 minutes on the stage. It went so fast. I afterwards, I was like, wow, that's it. You know, all that worry, all that stress, you get up, you do 15 minutes and boom, you're done. And so enjoy, enjoy the ride, all of it, the nerves and everything, because all of it's there to make you stronger and to help you be grow yourself into the best of yourself and become more of who you were created to be. What greater gift than to be able to have shared my story so openly with a group of people who have earned the right to hear it and know struggle. It was just so beautiful. I couldn't have asked for a better situation, and I'm so grateful to Kenneth and the entire TEDx Harlem organizers for putting that together. I gave it my best shot. Now, of course, I could always do better. I'll probably look at the video when it comes out and find many of things I could have done better but it's also the first of many, and every opportunity is a learning experience and a growing experience. All right, so that does it for the episode. Thank you to my coaches who have been supporting me throughout this journey and to y'all, the listeners. You could be spending your time anywhere else, but you're here with me, and I want you to know that I'm committed to really respecting your time and to using this platform as a vehicle to help you create a richer, more loving, and more fulfilling, purposeful life. That's what we're here to do. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you for being here. Love you. Let's go, baby. Mm-hmm.